Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariya on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillah walhamdulillah salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Inshallah everyone is doing well. <coughs> I know that the uh, the cold frigid air has hit Dallas, Texas so naturally all of us are going into hiding. Alhamdulillah. Uh, uh, hopefully inshallah everyone's doing okay staying warm in their homes and uh Alhamdulillah, you know, every, every moment is truly a blessing, right? Being in a masjid, being able to pray uh, in comfort, right? The heater is on while we're praying Isha. This in and of itself is honestly such a huge blessing that people take for granted a lot of times in their life. So with everything that we do, we say Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. So we are now on ayah number 84. So for everyone who inshallah is following along, uh, which I encourage again everyone to do every class, you know, whether it's on your phone or an actual Mus'haf, obviously, um, you know, we are on verse number uh, 84. So, uh, verse number 84, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins to describe the reality of the reaction of Ya'qub alayhi salam when he finds out that his sons have now uh, left Benyamin and the eldest son behind, right? And the narrations mention that his name is either uh, Yehuda, right? That's the more strong narration. Uh, or the other na- narration says that his name was Rubil, okay? So now Ya'qub alayhi salam is lost of not only Yusuf, but he's now lost of the eldest son, and he's also lost of the youngest one, Benjamin, right? And so, uh, you know, to lose even one child is quite enough, right? I mean, this is something that can break a human being. But to lose a second and a third, and specifically the ulama, they mentioned that the tragedy of this situation is that Ya'qub alayhi salam at this point in his life was an elderly man, right? So there are certain things that younger people, right, with the charisma and the energy, when you're younger, you sometimes are able to take certain tragedies a little bit better because you have that kind of, you know, longevity in terms of your mentality. But when a person gets older, they, it, it becomes harder for that person to internalize and, you know, physically react well to a tragedy that takes place in their lifetime, right? Um, and I want everyone to kind of, for a second, just take this in. If Ya'qub alayhi salam is reacting in such a way which shows how sad and how grief-stricken he was by the loss of these three sons, who, and we'll talk about this today by the way, 
that Yaqub there are very strong narrations that, that, that show that he knew that Yusuf was still alive, right? Even despite the fact that he was missing. He knew that Yusuf was alive. Now think now, take that piece of knowledge and now translate it over to the life of the Prophet who had buried five of the six children that he had with Sayyidina Khadija radiallahu anha. Right? I mean, just internalize this. That he had outlived five of the six children that he had with Khadija radiallahu anha. The only one who outlived the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was Fatima. Fatima radiallahu anha. Okay? She had outlived the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa So this is a serious moment of perspective that we all put into our lives, that we think about, right? Um, and it, it, we're not in the business of comparing tragedies uh, or, you know, uh, you know con- comparing and contrasting and relating one to another. But the reality is that whenever somebody is struck with tragedy in their life, it is always very beneficial for them to seek uh, counsel and to seek sympathy from those around them who have gone through similar situations, right? The loss of a child, uh, the loss of a family member, the loss of jobs, the loss of certain you know, provisions. These are all things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is a mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He's given human beings like-minded experiences. Imagine if you were the only one in your lifetime to ever go through what you went through. Alhamdulillah, there are people near us that can relate to us, that can console us when we've gone through a tragedy ourselves. And so we go through now verse number 84. Uh, after Ya'qub alayhi salam, he reacts to the news of them leaving Benjamin and Yehuda or Rubel behind. He says in verse number 83 to refresh everyone's mind, قَالَ بَلْ سَوَّلَتْ لَكُمْ أَنفُسُكُمْ أَمْرًا فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ عَصَى اللَّهُ أَنْ يَأْتِيَنِي بِهِمْ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْعَلِيمُ الْحَكِيمُ he says that, you know, rather I think that your souls have enticed you towards something that was evil. So, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ So, sabr, beautiful patience, is what is best fitting for a person like me in a situation like this. عَصَى اللَّهُ أَنْ يَأْتِيَنِي بِهِمْ جَمِيعًا That Allah will bring them all back together to me. إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْعَلِيمُ الْحَكِيمُ Now, this is the... The, the prophetic response that Yaqub he had. Now you know, everybody has a, a, a little bit of human being in them. And this is very normal, right? That, you know, being a Muslim does not mean that you have to react robotically to everything that happens in your life. Okay? That Yaqub this is his first statement. His first statement was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshaAllah, will bring everyone back to me. Allah is all-knowing and He is all-wise. So He reacts with this initial reaction of faithfulness to Allah. And this is what is required of us. That in the beginning of any sort of tragedy that befalls a human being, that they remember Allah every step of the way. This is all that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requires of us. Allah does not require us to be perfect. Allah does not require us to not be grief-stricken. Allah does not require us to be, you know, uh, you know, react in an inhuman way. All Allah asks of us is that we remember Him in good and difficult times. This is it. And verse number 84, where we're beginning tonight, is a proof and an evidence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala permits human reaction. 
right? That if Allah only accepted tawakkul and taqwa and every sort of reaction that is resonating of Allah, that's, that, that, that would be almost impossible for us to attain. It would almost be impossible for us to attain. And so in verse number 84 is where we see the human side of Ya'qub alayhi salam come out. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He describes, وَتَوَلَّ عَنْهُمْ وَقَالَ يَا أَسَفَ عَلَى يُوسُفَ So He then turns away, okay, وَتَوَلَّ عَنْهُمْ Allah says that He turns away from these sons of His. And this is really amazing because Ya'qub even after all of this, he didn't want to show his sons all of the grief that he was going through. And subhanAllah, think about this, right? That, you know, Yaqub shows grief. Obviously, he's upset. But he doesn't show his most deepest sadness to, to people. He reserves that for Allah. So, And he says, Ya asafa ala Yusufa. Oh, my sadness for my boy, my son, Yusuf. And Allah says, His eyes became, His eyes became, what we call in Arabic, which means white. His eyes became white. Why? Min al huzni. From the sadness and the grief that he was going through, فَهُوَ كَظِيمٌ And it was such a great grief and sorrow that he was going through. And so this, by the way, is proof that even prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can go through physically debilitating sadness in their lifetime. They can go through physically debilitating sadness. That human emotion, subhanAllah, you know one of the things that I reflect upon constantly is that Allah has given us such a wide range of emotional ability. Can you imagine as a human being? Just think about the biological and the psychological and the emotional spectrum of a person. They can reach such happy moments and they can reach moments of such sadness that their physical Body reacts to it. Can you imagine? And, and, and subhanAllah, it, it just keeps on reminding you and reflecting. You're crea- we are created, we are so weak. That what, subhanAllah, when, we, when we're sad, sometimes our hearts cannot bear the pain except to just cry. When we are happy, you know, I was reading this, I'm sorry to go on this tangent, but I was reading an article the other day about the scientific reasonings as to why we laugh. And you know, scientists and researchers still cannot pinpoint the reason why a human being exhales continuously in a laughing manner when they go through something joyous. It still, it's still you know, befuddles the mind. Why we laugh when we're happy? It's just a reaction. Why do we cry when we're sad? Why do tears come out when we're sad? Why does blood pressure rise when you're angry? These are all, obviously, you know, there are certain people of science that have answers. But spiritually, 
the, the, the most beautiful reflection of all of this is the reality of just how weak we are as people. The way that we feel immediately gives us this reaction of physical, a physical reaction that we cannot help. We cannot help. We have very little control over it. Crying when we're overcome with sadness. Some people, we cannot help it. So it is a lesson in our own weakness, but at the same time, it is a lesson in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's something Absolutely. 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 And, 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 and one of the things that you know, is, is mentioned here, which is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this right here in the next couple of ayah, is the response of these young men. The response of these young men, they respond to their father when he says, you know, Ya asafa ala Yusuf. You know, oh, my heart is so sad about Yusuf alayhi salam. And his eyes are now white with, with, with blindness. His sons, they look at him and they see their father in such a, such a compromised situation. Such a sad situation. And they say to their father, they say to him, قَالُوا تَاللَّهِ تَفْتَأُوا تَذْكُرُوا Yusuf." They say to their father, Oh, by Allah, Tallahi, you will not cease, you will not stop remembering Yusuf. Hatta takuna harudan, aw takuna min al They say to their father, Truly, you're never going to forget about this boy Yusuf until takuna harudan, until you become fatally ill, until your health overcomes you. Literally, you're going to think about this, this son of yours until you become so ill, أَوْ takuna min الْحَالِكِينَ Until you die. Halikin. The word halikin, it comes from the word halak, which means to be, dis- to, 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 means to be perished. So the sons are talking now to their father and saying, is there anything that's going to stop you from remembering this son of yours? Look at look look at look at look at how sad this situation is. Until your strength leaves you, hatta takuna haradan. Harada in Arabic literally means like your your strength is gone. Your strength is gone. You are so overwhelmed by this grief that your health is now gone. Right? Or you're going to continue to be sad until takuna min al Until you are perished. Our father. And this is where Yaqub alayhi salam says a very, very famous statement. And I want everyone to reflect over this because the ulama, they talk about this in their, in, 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 in their tafsir. They say that whenever a statement of a person or a creation is quoted in the Quran, there's some serious lessons to be drawn from it. Because the word here is not exactly from Allah. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving us what another has said. And this has been done throughout the entire Quran, by the way. This has been done with anbiya. This has been done with people. This has even been done with shaitan. In Surah Al-A'raf, we get that famous ayah. خَلَقْتَنِي مِنْ نَارِ وَخَلَقْتَهُ مِنْ طِينِ 
This isn't Allah saying it. This is shaitan saying it. And Allah giving it to us in the Quran so that you may think about it. So either you may try to avoid it. For example, the, the quote of shaitan. Or you may benefit from it. Like the quotes of the Anbiya, the prophets of God. So in verse number 86, they, uh, Yaqub alayhi salam, he responds, he says, قَالَ إِنَّمَا أَشْكُ بَثِّي He says, I only complain. إِنَّمَا أَشْكُ بَثِّي I only complain of my suffering and my grief to Allah, to Allah. I'm not talking to you. It's literally what he said. I'm not speaking to you. I'm not grieving to you. I'm grieving to Allah. And I know from Allah, min Allahi, what you don't know. Now this is a very interesting verse. Because this gives us something very profound. That Ya'qub alayhi salam, he gives us this example of how to process grief as a Muslim. And I'll give everyone three takeaways today, inshallah. Okay? Number one. Number one. It is very, very more than okay. Even I will even say it is encouraged to seek counsel and nasiha in your fellow companions. This is something that's very important. That these ayat should not be confused for a Muslim to think that when they are grief-stricken or they are upset about something, that they have to hide it away from everybody. This is not true. This is not true. And I re- reiterate to everybody, this is not true. There is nowhere in the Qur'an does it say, or in the hadith of the Prophet does it say, that when you're going through an emotional crisis, that you hide your emotions and you keep it inside of you. That is not what the Qur'an or the sunnah say. In fact, the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is to actually seek advice and to seek counsel from those that are actually worthy of seeking counsel from. The issue of today, and this is the, because of the, the, the prevalence and, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the boom of so many social outlets for people, is that people unfortunately put their trust in the wrong people. And they decide to confide in anyone. They decide to confide in everybody. And the reality is, and I'll be very, very honest with everybody, not everyone is worthy of your trust. The Prophet ﷺ had a few in his life that he would keep very close to him. We know these people. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an. Umar, Uthman, Ali, his blessed wives radiallahu anha, Khadija radiallahu anha, Aisha radiallahu anha, Sauda radiallahu anha. These are the people that he would confide in. The problem is that in today's day and age, everyone is so obsessed with seeking attention from other people that we are willing to basically share with anyone and everyone every small detail of our life. And this is also concerning. So the prophetic model is that when you're going through a crisis emotionally, 
to seek nasiha, to seek sincere advice, to seek counsel, to seek consolation from those who deserve to be cons- consulted with. And this can be a, 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 a trusted family member. This can be a person of knowledge in the community. This could be a very trustworthy companion or friend. This could be a spouse. It could be anyone that you very, very sincerely trust. But don't open that door to just everyone. It is important, and this is specifically for the young people in here right now. It's very important to understand that as you get older, your circle of trust, it actually starts to shrink a little bit. And there's nothing wrong in that. You know, as young people, one of the biggest nightmares is that everybody has to be my best friend. (laughs) Everyone has to be my best friend. And it's always polarized. If they're not my best friend, then I hate them. (laughs) And as you get older, you start to realize that there are different tiers of trust in life. These are the most trustworthy people. These people are, you know, acquaintances. And these people are just people, you know, you know, just regular people. And then there's nothing wrong in that. And I'll tell you what, if you treat everyone that way, where they have to be your best friend, you're in for a very rude awakening about the way that people think about you. <laughs> I'll tell you this right now, you are not everyone's best friend. So it's very important to understand, to give the right honor to the rightful people in our life. I've known so many young people who neglect their own parents so they could just confide in a friend they met two weeks ago. Subhanallah, I mean, this is just a bizarre thing. And they realized that that friend, you know, wasn't worthy of my trust and, you know, ended up, you know, ruining, you know, this relationship and breaking my trust. And now I've got to go back and crawl back to my parents and ask them for their forgiveness of this and that. It's not worth it. The people who are close to you, keep close to you. And everyone else has to earn your trust. That's number one. Number two. So I said that number one, it's good to confide in people who are, who are trustworthy and who are worth your trust. But number two, this is very important. Number two, but do not rely on people solely. Do not rely on people solely. Human beings are created with flaws and setbacks. One of the biggest tragedies of humanity is when people lose their faith because of other people. You know, I, I, I did this, uh, subhanAllah, I did this, um, this research paper when I was in my undergrad in uh, university, in college. And I remember the thesis was why people leave religion. That was the study. That was the research. Why do people leave religion? Do you want to know from my own anecdotal research what I came to find out in a glaringly obvious fact? That 87% of the people, and I asked around 150 people. This is like my research paper, my senior year of my, 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 my university undergrad program. That 87% of people left religion not because of the religion itself, but because it was, they were turned off by somebody in that religion. Can you believe that? Only 13% of people left because they disagreed with the theology. 13 That's barely 1.3 out of 10 people that leave religion because of the actual theological substance of the religion. Nine people leave because they had a bad experience with other people. 
And as much as we can lecture about how, you know, uh, don't, you know, um, don't, 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 don't compare the religion to the people. One thing that, the, that one thing that we can take as a lesson for ourselves is we have to start understanding when people have limits. That when I give the attention that is deserving to the divine and I give it to the people, I'm obviously heading towards a direction where I'm going to be disappointed. When I seek in someone this constant viewership and this constant attention and this constant this and this constant that, I'm for sure heading down a path where I'm going to be disappointed. Because there will inevitably be a point where somebody is not going to be available to me. There's inevitably going to be a point where someone's going to come short. The advice that this person is going to give me is not the advice that's the best for me. Because they're human beings. And this is where Yaqub alayhi salam, he says, إِنَّمَا أَشْكُ وَحُزْنِي That when it comes down to it, I don't rely on people. Yes, people are a resource, and they're a beautiful resource. There's beauty in the resource of human beings. But every human resource has limitations. Every human resource has limitations. If you want to be a happy, content human being, put that ultimate faith in Allah and Allah alone, and you will never be disappointed. You will never be disappointed. Look at the famous words of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Upon the death of the Prophet ﷺ, what did he say to the Ummah? For those of you who worship Muhammad, know that Muhammad, فَقَدْ مَاتَ Muhammad ﷺ has passed away. But for those of you who worship Allah, know that Allah is حَيْ وَلَا يَمُوتَ And He will never die. So who are you going to put your full faith in? Use the resource. Nothing wrong with using the resource. Seek counseling. Seek professional help. Seek mental health counseling and, 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 and therapy. Do it. But do not ultimately rely everything upon that one resource. Because that's human beings. Put your ultimate faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? And this is where, you know, Imam al-Nawawi rahimahullah, he gives us that famous narration. You know, and this is a long narration, but I'll inshallah shorten it. At the very end, Imam al-Nawi, he says that the Prophet ﷺ, he says that if you ask, ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? If you ask, ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you seek help, seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a statement that he taught Abdullah ibn Abbas when he was young. Okay? You preserve Allah and Allah will preserve you in your life. Okay, and then he says, uh, tajidhu tujahaka. Remember Allah, be mindful of Allah, and Allah will be mindful of you. This is a relationship that we have with Allah. Ida sa'alat fas'al Allah. If you ask, ask of Allah. If you seek, seek from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ultimately, this is where your heart should lie. Okay. And so, he says this famous statement, Ya'qub alayhi salam. He says that he complains only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ultimately. And then he says, Now what does this mean? He says that I know from Allah things that you do not know. 
Now, what does that specific statement mean for us? Ibn Abbas, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says that the meaning of وَأَعْلَمُ مِنَ اللَّهِ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ is that this is the vision that Yusuf salam saw when he was a younger child. So this is the proof, by the way, in the Qur'an that Ibn Abbas, he says in the surah, that Ya'qub knew of Yusuf salam's living. That he knew that Yusuf salam had not passed away. I mean, think about it. This has been decades since he has seen his son last. What is the automatically default you know, conclusion that a father or a parent might go through? If I haven't seen my kid for over 30, 40 years, he's probably gone forever. But this, وَأَعْلَمُوا مِنَ اللَّهِ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ibn Abbas says that this is proof that Ya'qub salam, one of the tests of his life from Allah was to know that Yusuf salam, was alive but to be separated from him for a period of time. Which in a way, subhanAllah, think about this, which in a way sometimes is even harder. You know, sometimes knowing that someone is gone gives you a little bit of closure over you know, your relationship. You know, this person has passed away. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. But if you know that this person is alive, but they are not with you, you live every single day with a thought of what if. I wonder where. I wonder how they are doing. So this is the test of Ya'qub alayhi salam. That he had to endure in his life knowing that his son was out there somewhere. But he was not allowed, he was not permitted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to go near him for a period of time. Imagine this test. Imagine how difficult this would be for a parent. To stay away from their beloved for so long. Subhanallah. Okay. So then he gives, and inshallah we'll end in the next 10, 15 minutes. So inshallah we can part and, uh, and, and enjoy some food inshallah. In verse number 87, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues. And after Ya'qub alayhi salam, he shares his grief and he uh, is, has a moment with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He now turns and he speaks to his sons for the last time. He says to his sons, Ya Bunayya. He says, Oh my sons, Ya Bunayya. اذهبوا فتحسسوا من يوسف وأخيه ولا تيأسوا من روح من روح الله. He says to his sons, go اذهبوا فتحسسوا من 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 يوسف وأخي. Go and find out about Yusuf and his brother. Okay. And he and he says along with it, ولا uh, he says, "Wala He says, "Wala ta'asu min and do not despair of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's hope. Do not despair of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's relief. Inna hu la yaayasu min rawhillahi illa alqoom alkafirun." He says, indeed, no one despairs of the relief from Allah except the people who disbelieve. Okay? So here he gives his sons an order. He states to them, go and find and inquire about Yusuf. Because for this long period of time, he's actually kept Yusuf name completely silent. He hasn't mentioned it for years. 
He hasn't talked about it for years. He's kept it to himself. This is something that he has taken as a challenge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said, you know, I'm going to keep this and struggle with this myself. Okay? But finally, in verse number 87, he tells his boys, he says, Go and ask, أَذْهَبُوا فَتَحَسَّسُوا مِنْ يُوسُفُ وَأَخِيهِ Go ask about Yusuf and his brother. Now I want you to go ask. Now the scholars, are very, it's very interesting. The scholars actually mention that Yaqub only mentioned this because he was finally given permission by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ask by, about it. That for all the previous ayat and all the previous years, Allah had not given the amr to Yaqub to ask about his son. Finally in 87, he was given the permission by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ask about Yusuf. So now finally he tells his boys, he says, go ask about Yusuf wa akhihi. Ask about Yusuf and his brother. Okay? And don't despair in relief from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? And he says, indeed, the one who despairs relief from Allah are those who are qawmul kafirun. The people who are disbelievers. Now, this is a very interesting principle in our religion. Because here you see right very clearly in the Quran it says that those who despair rawhillahi illa qawmul kafirun. The people who despair, who, who basically lose hope in Allah are qualified as kafirun, as disbelievers. Now think about this subhanAllah. What part of this, of losing hope in Allah is a quality of a kafir Is a quality of kufr Because the scholars they mention That despairing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Losing hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is losing hope in who he actually is That if you lose hope in Allah You are losing hope in one of the main things That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is supposed to be in your life Which is something of hope so as a believer, a believer should never ever despair in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Despair in the hope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Never despair in the mercy of Allah. There's, there are people who, you know, because of our own human weakness, we say, you know, I don't even know if Allah can forgive the sins that I've committed. The sins are so great, I don't know how Allah can forgive them. And you know, it's very interesting. There's a lot of psychological reports done about how people, what they do is they deflect their own feelings that they have about themselves and they deflect it towards something else. So they say that I've committed so many sins that I don't even know if Allah can forgive me. No, no, no. You know the reality is? The reality is you know that Allah can forgive you, but you are having a hard time forgiving yourself. Make sense? That they deflect Oh, I don't know if it's even worth, worth to make dua. I don't even know if it's worth it to pray. I've missed so many salah in my life. I've missed so much salah in my life. What's the point? No, no, the point is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always give you a means of making these things up. You are having a hard time wrapping your head around the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, this is where human beings need to catch themselves. That we have to be honest with ourselves, with our own limitations. This is a me problem. This is my problem that I have. You know, and I, and I teach this to all of the students on Saturdays here at, at, at the masjid. 
You know, we're going through a lot of, you know, chapters on belief in Allah and aqidah and belief in the unseen and all these different things. The biggest challenge that atheists have about the divine is not actually the divine, it's their own limitation of their own knowledge. Because I don't understand it, it must not exist. That's the root issue. The issue is not it existing. Allah exists whether you like it or not. The issue is that you are having a hard time understanding it. But the, 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 the issue of, 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 of kufr, the issue of disbelief, is that the level of kibr is so high in a person's heart, the level of arrogance is so high in a person's heart, that they cannot admit it about themselves. That it is my problem, but I am not willing to admit it. So it must not exist. It's a very, human beings, wallahi subhanallah, human beings are a fascinating creation. <laughs> human beings are a fascinating creation, subhanallah. Okay, and so at this point, they, these brothers, they return back to the land of Yusuf alayhi salam. And inshallah, we will end with uh, verse number 88 today, inshallah. So because verse number 80 is a little bit of a longer ayah, but inshallah, we'll end with verse number 88. So in verse number 88, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions, فَلَمَّا دَخَلُوا عَلَيْهِ when these young men, when these, these men, they came upon, دَخَلُوا عَلَيْهِ they, they entered upon the court of Yusuf alayhi salam for the, how many time at this point? This is the third time. The first time was when they first entered, the initial entrance, when they were asking for the grains. The second entrance was when they came back with Benjamin. Now this is the third entrance of these brothers. فَلَمَّا دَخَلُوا عَلَيْهِ قَالُوا يَا أَيُّهَا الْعَزِيزُ مَسَّنَا وَأَهْلَنَا ضُرُّ وَجِئْنَا بِبِضَعَةٍ مُزْجَاتٍ So they say, O oh, Aziz, Ya أَيُّهَا الْعَزِيزُ مَسَّنَا وَأَهْلَنَا ضُرُّ They say that adversity has touched us and our family. وَأَهْلَنَا ضُرُّ it's really like, this is really, really a hard time has basically befallen us and our family. Okay? وَجِئْنَا بِبِضَاعَةٍ مُزْجَاتٍ فَأَوْفِلَنَا الْكَيْلَ وَتَصَدَّقْ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَجْزِلْ مُتَصَدِّقِينَ So they now plead to, 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 to the Aziz, to Yusuf السلام, and they say, Oh Aziz, adversity has touched us and our family and we have come with goods that are poor in quality. بِبِضَاعَةٍ مُزْجَاتٍ Okay? That the, the goods that we have are very low in quality. Okay? فَأَوْفِي لَنَا الْكَيْلَ وَتَصَدَّقْ عَلَيْنَا But give us full measure and be charitable to us. فَتَصَدَّقْ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَجْزِلْ Mutasaddiqeen and Allah rewards those who are charitable. So they come to Yusuf alayhi salam in this final effort. They come to Yusuf alayhi salam in this final effort and they start begging. They start begging. They start pleading. Oh Aziz, adversity has hit our family. We are in a moment of absolute desperation. So please help us. What we've brought bibadaratin. Muzjatin fa'ofilan al kayla. Like the, the stuff that we've brought is very cheap. We have nothing left for you. 
We have nothing that we can trade. We have nothing that we can barter with you with. We have nothing to offer you. عَلَيْنَا But be merciful to us, O Aziz. Be merciful to us, O Aziz. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَجْزِلْ مُتَصَدِّقِينَ Allah it rewards those who are mutasaddiqin, those who are charitable. Now, so at this moment of desperation, this is where the scholars they mention that Yusuf had seen enough. That Yusuf at this point, he says, Bas. Khalas. This is it. My family has been brought down to the lowest of lows in terms of their difficulty. They were reduced now to the lowest of lows. They have been brought down to their knees with desperation. And so this is the point where Yusuf السلام, the ulama, they say that he began to feel very, very bad for them. And this was also the moment where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 88 and 89, this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Yusuf alayhi salam the command of revealing himself to his brothers. Okay, now I'll end with this beautiful point. Ya'qub alayhi salam and Yusuf alayhi salam are both prophets of Allah. Yes, correct, we agree with this. Ya'qub and Yusuf although their hearts and their physical companionship was apart for so many years, the Amr of Allah for these two prophets came one after the other. The permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his two prophets came one right after the other. You see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps those of the same level right close near each other. The command of Ya'qub, to, to Ya'qub salam to go tell his sons to ask about Yusuf and Yusuf to reveal himself to his brothers, they came within two verses of one another. So what does this tell you? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even in times of difficulty, He connects the people who are worthy of being together for His sake. This is a powerful, powerful moment. That these two have been apart for so long. They've been away from each other for so long. Finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them permission. And they both only act when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them permission. Neither of them took one step out of life. One step. So the question that everybody had for weeks Weeks and weeks about the surah. Oh, why doesn't Yaqub just go look for his son? Why doesn't Yusuf try to go back and find his dad? Why? Because Allah didn't allow them to at that point. Allah gave the amr one after the other right when it was supposed to happen. That's one point. The last point that I want to make inshallah before we break for today is <coughs> that the ulama they mentioned, look at the attitude of the Brothers' desperation. فَلَمَّا دَخَلُوا عَلَيْهَا قَالُوا يَا أَيُّهَا الْعَزِيزِ مَسَّنَا وَأَهْلَنَا الذُّرُّ وَجِئْنَا بِبِضَاعَةٍ مُزْجَاتٍ فَأَوْفِلَنَا الْكَيْلَ وَتَصَدَّقْ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَجْزِ الْمُتَصَدِّقِينَ This, the scholars they say, should be the attitude of a person when they make dua. 
Look at their desperation. They come and they say, truly, truly we've been, been, been hit with calamity. So admit to Allah when you've been hit with calamity, when you've been hit with difficulty. Tell Allah about it. Don't always tell other people. Tell Allah. Oh Allah, this job, the loss of this job has really hurt me. Oh Allah, the distance between me and my children has really, really hurt me a lot. This is, pain, this is painful for me. Sometimes the dua is accepted when the human can lower their ego. Because is a dua really that beautiful if we cannot be vulnerable with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Can you imagine the, if, if a dua was, Oh Allah, you know, uh, I'd like to be closer to my son. Uh, you know, I, you know he's, he's been rude with me and he's, I, you know, I, I, I just, I, I feel like we should be closer. I mean. On the other hand, the dua is, Ya Allah, I miss my son so much. My relationship with him has been very challenging. Oh Allah, he's made mistakes. Allah, I've made mistakes. Allah, you, 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 you tested us with a lot, of, a lot of challenges in this relationship. Ya Allah, please lessen the challenge that you've given us, the test you've been given us. Do you see the attitude difference between these two du'as? One is a du'a of desperation, of vulnerability, and the other is a du'a of an ego that's not been lowered as of yet. So these brothers, when they're saying to Yusuf, they say, oh, we've been struck, I mean, we've been, we, we've been reduced to nothing. And then they say that I don't have anything to give you. And so the scholars, they mention, this is another attitude you should have with Allah. You can't trade anything to Allah when you're making du'a. Oh Allah, you know, I'll pray more <laughs> when you give me what I want. Allah doesn't need you to pray. Maybe your prayer is the answer to your du'a. Maybe you waking up for Fajr is actually something that you need. Allah doesn't need it. You can't trade anything with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's of value to Him. It's all for you. And then the final part, alayna. So be charitable with us. Oh Allah, be merciful to us. Oh Allah, you are the best of the best. You are the most merciful of all the merciful. You are Arhamur Rahimin. So please have mercy upon me. This is the attitude of a person when they should be making dua. This desperation. You know, dua, there's a very famous statement by a scholar that I once heard dua will make a rich person feel very poor. <laughs> Dua will make a rich person feel very poor Because the rich are not used to begging So a dua should make you feel very poor And that's when you know your duas are heading in the right direction If you, if you feel you have to keep up a, a facade of wealth in front of the people Khalas, do whatever you gotta do But in front of Allah, don't put up this wall of, of, of wealth Show Allah who you really are You're a poor, very, very poor person You need Him, without Him you are nothing we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of the people who can be vulnerable with Him. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our du'as effective. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our du'as humble. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to shower us with His mercy and His blessings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow the words of the Qur'an to weigh heavily within our hearts. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow the Qur'an to be frequent upon our tongues. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to never allow the Qur'an to be distant from us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the Qur'an to be a proof for us 
on the day of judgment on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow each and every single letter that was recited tonight to be a reason why we enter the highest levels of paradise, Jannah Al-Firdaus Al-A'la. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us for all of our mistakes. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa nashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu alayk. Which is akhmala khairan.